Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. Good evening. Thanks for making your way out here. I hope traffic wasn't too bad for most of you. When I first met Pastor Seth, he was actually younger than Zoe is right now. That makes him one of my oldest friends in this world. And uh, I've always loved this brother. Our friendship has grown steadily over the years. And in the 25 years since we've been at church, Pastor Seth has the distinction of being the most frequently invited guest speaker to our retreats. I don't know if he knew that, but we've had him back here for our retreats more often than any other speaker. And part of the reason is I really love to sit under his preaching. What I love about the way God uses Pastor Seth is that I don't just learn something, but there's always a little bit of inspiration, a a little flavor, a a little pick-me-up in my heart that I need. And he makes me laugh, but I always feel like I want to do more and be more and experience more of Jesus. His He has three children. Um, Josiah is just finishing up at the University of Michigan. His middle child, Elliot, is just starting out at Wheaton College, so he's local to many of us. And then his daughter, Carissa, who they call Kiki, is living with them, attending high school in Hong Kong. He began a ministry uh, of church planning in Michigan at Ann Arbor and is now in Hong Kong trying to set Asia on fire for the glory of God. And we've had the privilege of ministering at his church, now invited him to come and return the favor for us. So would you bow with me as we just lift him up in prayer? Let's pray for him. God, we know that you are greater than any one person. And that we haven't really come just to hear from a man this weekend. But we desperately long to hear from you. And we believe that you have ordained to speak to us through this servant this weekend. So we pray that we would all be blessed, surprised, convicted, and above all things, help us to discern your voice in all that is spoken from the pulpit this weekend. Fill Pastor Seth with your Holy Spirit. Allow him to speak for you to us this weekend. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As I sit down, let's give him a warm welcome. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks, Steve. Wow. Good evening. I'm realizing that I'm going to have to face this way because the majority of you are sitting over here. Well, I'm not going to forget about you all over here. I'll look at you once in a while. So praise the Lord. Uh, I'm so thankful to Pastor Dave, Jeannie and his uh, family and just to the leadership here. Uh, It's a really honor and a privilege to be here uh, to speak God's word to you. Uh, I've been praying, preparing and really asking God to use this theme of recharged so that he can really ignite our hearts on fire as I know many of us we've gone through so many different things even this past year that we need a a little bit of a recharge in our spiritual lives I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will do that I'm very aware that there are little kids uh, in a separate room and they're going to go berserk if we don't finish on time so I'm going to keep that in mind and try to preach as fast as I can even though I like to just go on talking forever. 
Um, but I'm going to pray that God will minister to us. So once again, thank you so much for having me and just even being able to listen uh, to the things that I feel like the Holy Spirit has placed in my heart to share with you. It was kind of interesting actually coming to Chicago again because one of the things I like to do is to always make our frequent stops. There's four that we always have to stop. First of all, a Chicago hot dog. That's a stop that we always have to make. We have to eat that. The second one is the Chicago-style gyros that we have, uh, just you guys have in this area. You got to add grilled onions. Don't ever forget. If you don't, then you're not a true Chicagoan. And then third is we have to stop by L's Italian beef. Did anyone hear of that? Uh-huh. See, you guys are more like, yes. But uh, you, can, you can say an amen. Can I get a good amen to that? Amen. If you haven't tried it yet, your life has not been transformed yet. Please go ahead and try L's Italian beef. And the last stop is Lou Manati's pizza. I know some of you guys like, uh, what is that, Uno's and Giordano's, but Lou Manati's. Something about the butter crust. I think they put, laced it with some kind of drug that it just keeps on wanting you to come back and eat again and again. And it was kind of interesting because as we're trying to make some of these stops, because my family was here uh, earlier and then they just recently uh, took off my wife and my daughter. Um, my two boys are still here and I'm going to be heading back after this retreat. And it was interesting because I'm like, where is this place? Pale Little Heights, because all I knew growing up in Chicago was the suburbs up in Wilmette and all that area up there and the south side Chicago because my parents had a store in south side. So as soon as I looked at the map, I'm like... 67th street i'm like we're going to south side you know and then it's like 109th street i'm like wow and then i started driving through I'm like no it's mostly it's different i'm like this is this is not the south side so it was great just driving in here and i totally forgot about chicago i-94 i or two what is it 94 no 294 and 290 traffic so praise the lord so I'm so uh, glad to be here. And I just wanted us to just start off by turning to Ephesians chapter 3. I know this is your theme verse. This is also the passage that, uh, as some of you came to the prayer gathering, Pastor Dave kind of shared a little bit on it. But I wanted to start off with this passage to get us in the right frame of mind as we talk about being recharged. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21. And as you have... Turning to, as you're turning to this passage, let me go ahead and just start off with a question I want you to think about because I want to talk about being recharged through our prayers. Uh, I'm wondering how many of you ever felt this surge of this emotion or this feeling as you reminisce about things of the past, especially those things that brought, that brings really good memories for us and to us. I think there's something really powerful about tapping into our younger years. I know for many of us, that was way back in the glory days, but just remembering all the great experiences that you've had in your life. And I think this is true even in our relationship with God, that there are many times when we think about some of these great experiences that we went through, times where God actually spoke to us and ministered to us. Uh, just recently, I came back from our missions project in China, and I, I still can't believe I'm leading a missions project. I told uh, one of our pastors, I'm not doing it next year. This is it. Uh, I'm done with this. Because I was in a car with students who were my kids' age. 
So they're looking at me like their father, and I'm looking at them as my children. And after a while, you're like, I'm too old for this. You know, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm too old for this. And so as we were driving around in China, getting to our place, I, I wanted to introduce them to some of kind of like the old school songs. Now, I know we have some old school people here, so this is really exciting for me just to be able to preach to you. But as these students were in the car, they wanted to listen to like Hillsong, United, and Bethel, and all these other, which praise the Lord, they're great worship bands and all that. But I said, let me introduce you to some old school worship songs. So we had Spotify, so we kind of connected that. And so we were listening to songs, and I introduced them from um, back in the 70s and 80s. Uh, can I get an amen to anyone? Uh, amen? So, uh, and I said, this is what we call Maranatha. And they're a Mara who? I go, Maranatha. It's a biblical word, man. And so, Maranatha, I introduced them to Hosanna Integrity. And, yeah, really old school. And then I moved over from the worship section to now CCM, Contemporary Christian Music. So I said, this is Steve Camp. Uh, This is Stephen Curtis Chapman, Michael W. Smith, Amy Grant. Any any takers? Any amen? Praise, Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm not that old. Okay, praise the Lord. And so, Crystal Lewis? Okay, anyway, okay, I'll stop here. So anyway, I was trying to share with them some of these songs, and as I was listening to it in the, in the car ride, I don't know why, I mean, they were just like, oh, that's nice, it's old. That's, about that. that's what they were saying, it's old. But for me, I don't know why, as I was driving and listening to these songs, it brought back so many good memories of just different retreats where God spoke to me, or those times when we gathered together just praying. And so it started stirring my heart. And they were like looking at me because I was kind of getting into a little bit and worshiping the Lord. And they're like, "Uh, can we go back to uh, Bethel and Hillsong? But in that moment, I just thought about just all those times where God met me and I was able to encounter God. And so those of you who might not know, uh, I recently turned 50. And so praise the Lord, I'm in the 50 club. And that means that our life is drastically going to change even faster and for my 50th birthday they surprised me at church I was complete my wife was in it the whole time and my kids because they had I had to walk out of the church so we were going to go home and they're walking so slow she goes I'm getting old now but she was really stalling for time so they can set up the whole uh, place where we worship so they can surprise me and then they said, oh, I forgot to give something to someone. I'm like, can someone just come and pick it up? They're like, no, we got to go back. I'm like, okay. So we're going back. And they surprised me. And it was such a great celebration, just all the love that they showed on to me as their pastor. And then one of the things that they blessed me with was a nice guitar. Because uh, I enjoyed playing guitar. And now I don't really have to play guitar because, you know, we have our worship band and everything. And so I, I want to show you this guitar. Okay, it's up there already. But... Uh, <laughs> We're moving in the spirit. Amen, brother. Uh, so here's the guitar. And it's a really nice guitar. They all pitched in and they purchased it for me. And I was so blessed. And I remember just looking at this. I'm like, wow, my first like really good guitar. And so I went home. And the next day, I literally played for several hours on this guitar. And I went through all the old songs. 
seeing them and just bringing back all these great memories. And I think for many of us here, there are so many good memories that we have when we think about all those younger years when we felt so close to God. There's something about life when you go through it, especially with all the stress and all the pressures, trying to raise kids and wait until... How many of you have kids that are under seven years old? Can I just see a... God, wow, God bless all of you. It's hard. I know it's hard. But wait until they turn into teenagers. Can I get a good amen to all the teenage parents here? <laughs> see, like when they're under seven, it's like hard physically. But man, when they turn teenagers, it's hard mentally. It's a psychological warfare. I'm telling you right now. And it just gets harder. Every stage of life, it just seems to get harder. Until you become a grandparent, then life is easier. You spoil them and hand them off, and you're like, bye. And so I realized that we go through stresses and just challenges at home, and oftentimes it takes a toll on us physically, emotionally, mentally, even spiritually. And that's why we want to come together and talk about this important topic of being recharged. And one of the best ways to get recharged is through our prayers. The Apostle John writes to the church in Ephesus in the book of Revelation, and he says this. Many of you know this passage. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. It says this in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4 through 5. But I have this one complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent... I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Where he says, the things that you used to do at first. And it says, turn back to me and do the works you did at first. So as I was thinking about this, I I said, well, what are some of the signs that we might have lost our first love? And I was thinking about my own life and the times that I've lost my first love many times. And as I was thinking about this, I came up with a list of seven things that I want to quickly share with you that indicate possibly that you have lost your first love. The first one is this, a lack of passion. And we lose that excitement, that drive to do what we're called to do. If some of us have lost a little bit of, or we we lack some of the passion in our lives, it could be a sign that we've lost our first love. The second sign would be looser attitude towards sin. The things that used to bother us and our conscience used to bother us, it doesn't any longer. And that's a sign that we've lost our first love. That for us, we start tolerating more things, especially those things as we minimize sin in our lives or mitigate those things in our lives. The third sign is a loss of vision. We don't know why we do what we do. Things get very monotonous and we do the same things over and over and we lose the sense of vision in our lives. The fourth is a lingering feelings of ingratitude. This this lack of gratitude and thankfulness in our hearts. And I think this always leads to feelings of entitlement, that we deserve something. Number five is lower energy to contribute. I think it's hard to get motivated to serve when you lose your first love. I mean, let's be honest here. Those of you who are married or maybe you've been in a relationship before, you know how that is. 
2 o'clock in the morning, under the covers. Back then, you, you, we weren't really texting, those of you who are a little bit older. But you're like, <laughs> you know, just talking all night as if you had all the energy in the world, but you really d- didn't because you had to work or you had to go to class. But once again, this, this sense of energy and excitement. And a lot of times when we lose that first love, we, we lose that sense of energy and that excitement that we used to have. Number six is lessen sensitivity to God, that we lack the intimacy with God. It's hard for us to even hear his voice. And number seven, limited relational connection, relationships that are getting affected and more and more we're getting lonely. I'm wondering, do we have any of these signs in our lives? One of the things I'm a firm believer is that we can't always trust our feelings. But rather we have to trust in God's love and his commitment and devotion to us and how he wants us to return back to him. I love what C.S. Lewis said in his book, Mere Christianity. He writes this, Though our feelings come and go, God's love for us does not. It is not wearied by our sins or our indifference. And therefore, it is quite relentless in its determination that we shall be cured of those sins at whatever cost to us, at whatever cost to him. What a great reminder. As we start off this retreat with the theme of recharge, I pray that God will meet us here and that he will help us to go back to some of the basics like his word and worship and prayer. And so one of the things I like to do is just kind of summarize my sermon with a a one thing. Uh, It's easy to just forget a lot of the information, but if there's something that I want you to leave this place with and every time I preach, the one thing for tonight is simply this, that prayer can transform our weary heart. So by the grace of God, by his grace, we must do our part. That God can transform our weary hearts so that so by God's grace we must do our part. I'm going to talk about two specific things here as we look into the passage in Ephesians chapter 3 starting from verse 14 through 21. And the first thing is this that prayer grounds us in God's love. That prayer grounds us in God's love. Can you turn to somebody next to you? I know we're like so spread apart, but can you turn to somebody next to us and tell them what the first point is? Go ahead and share that with them, will you? Amen. We're going to have you kind of respond. I forgot to mention, whenever I read a passage and there's a a yellow, I want us to read it out loud. Will you read it with me in those sections? Will you do that? Can I get a good amen to that? Amen. So some of you are just dog tired. You're just tired. It's okay. Just go to sleep. Just make it at least look like you're praying. If you go, "Ah," they, they know you're sleeping. So... If you're really tired and you have to fall asleep, it's okay, but just make it look like you're praying. I think that'll be very important, okay? What I want to do is let me go ahead and start reading from verse 14 through verse 15. And this is what the Word of God says in Ephesians chapter 3. It says this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Let me just pause here as we look at these verses one at a time. And see what the word of God is speaking to us about being recharged, even transforming our wearied hearts and by his grace as we do our part. Earlier in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 through 21, the apostle Paul 
started off this section by lifting up a prayer for these Ephesian believers. Now his prayer was simple for the believers to deepen their spiritual understanding of the mystery of the will of God. This mystery entailed the hope that we have in Christ and because Jesus Christ died for us on the cross and because of that, he's going to bring all things in unity. So now as he starts off in verse 14, we see this phrase, for this reason. So here's Paul in a posture of humility. He prays on his knees to God the Father. Now we have to keep in mind that by addressing the prayer to God as Father, it's not only a term of intimacy, this is very important, it is also an understanding of his authority and his power. So here's Paul praying to God the Father, not only in that intimate relationship, but it's about authority and about his power. And that's why in verse 15, when Paul says that every family in heaven and on earth gets its name, it simply means God. He is the father of all creation, father of everything. I don't know about you, but that should kind of give us a sense of not only comfort, but a sense of humility as we realize that God the Father who has all authority, all power, is the kind of God that we're praying to. We're reminded that there's nothing we can do on our own, that we need his strength, we need his power, even to pray. Let's continue as we read verse 16 through 17. It says this, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Let me just pause here and mention some points as we talk about being grounded in God's love. Paul prays that the Ephesian believers would be strengthened in their inner being with God's power. And this is in accordance to the riches of God's glory. I want you to notice the word power. It's a very important word for Paul because he used it earlier In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. Now, just in these two verses, verses, chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, the part that I want you to note here that you might overlook it, if you don't study it carefully, is that he uses four different words to reinforce the idea that God's power is immeasurable. There is nothing like the power of God. Can I get a good amen to that? doesn't matter how powerful a person may be. There is nothing compared to the power of God. I want you to notice the words power, working, might, and work. Let me go ahead and read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 and through 20 in the ESV. It says this. And once again, on the yellow sections, if you could just read it with me and just say it out loud. It says this. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. I want you to look at each of those words that are highlighted, those four words. Each of these words are in reference to God's power. It is this idea of God's dynamic force that overcomes any resistance And it's God who gives us this energy and its inherent strength so we can live. 
All these words remind us that the immeasurable greatness and the magnitude of God's power, it is available to us. I'm wondering what would happen if we tapped into God's power in this way. I think the way we serve will be different. I think the way we work will be different. The way we parent will be different. The way we just go through every single day will be different. Since God is so rich in his glory, we have everything we need to do his will on this earth. That's why in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. It says this, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited, come on, everyone say it, unlimited resources, he will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. That's powerful. That from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. I want you to also note in verse 16 that we see the key word grant. This is a very important word because it's a reminder that we don't have to try so hard, but it's the work of God and it's the gift of God. Can I get a good amen to that? I, I know many of you probably grew up in Chicago area where there was a lot of revival meetings back in the day. And I remember those times when we would pray and I just felt like a lot of it was just our own strength, our own power. And I remember many times as I started maturing in my relationship with God, more than the emotions, there are times when I was so tired, but as I got into that posture in my heart of prayer, even though I was tired, I was just praying, and it just kept on flowing. And I realized that that wasn't me trying, but that was God's power working in me. What would happen if many of us experienced that kind of power in our lives? This is why when we pray, God enables us with his unlimited resources in our lives. That's why when we learn how to take, let go of control and let God take control in our lives. I love what E.M. Bound said in his book, The Purpose, in, the purpose of, in Prayer. He writes this, the prayer closet is the battlefield of the church. It's citadel, the scene of heroic and unearthly conflicts. The closet is the base of supplies for the, for the Christian and the church. Cut off from it, there is nothing left but retreat and disaster. The energy for work, the mastery over self, the deliverance from fear, all spiritual results and graces are much advanced by prayer. We need to pray as we think about getting recharged. It's not something about just sitting there and resting but it's allowing God's power through his unlimited resources to be activated in us as we begin to pray. Where are you getting your source of strength? That's why when Paul continues in his prayer in verse 17, by praying that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith, this is such an important concept. The word dwell can literally mean be at home or feel at home. So that's why in the New Living Translation, listen to what it says. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust in him. Wow, what an awesome thought. That Christ is dwelling in our lives and he feels at home because we're trusting in him, not in ourselves. How about us this evening? 
Are we doing things in our own strength? Or are we allowing God to work in us and through us? I'm wondering if we're growing in our dependence on God through prayer. Are we being grounded and rooted more in God's love as we get older? Or is it all about us trying harder? That's why I think one of the most powerful things is when you really encounter God's love, it will give you the strength that you need because you realize there's nothing you can do. But it's God who will empower you. Prayer grounds us in God's love. And the second and last point that I want to mention here is we're talking about how prayer can transform our weary hearts and by his grace as we do our part, which is praying, is that prayer not only grounds us in God's love, but prayer grows us in his love. Let's read verse 18 and 19. It says this, as he talks about being rooted and grounded in love, he says in verse 18, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Once you're grounded in his love, you and I, we're, we're going to be able to grow spiritually and experience more of the reality of who God is. Paul is now praying that the believers will have the strength to comprehend Christ's love. The word comprehend is translated as to apprehend or to lay hold of. That's why in other translations, like the NIV, it says to grasp. Or the message translation, it says to take in. Like his love is so great, it's, it's not even measurable. Just to grasp and take in, to comprehend it, it, it's almost impossible. We will notice that Paul wanted the Ephesians to comprehend this love though, with all the saints. I think it's interesting in verse 18, Apostle Paul gives the dimensions of God's love. He uses the words such as the breadth, the length, the height, the depth to remind the believers, you and I, the immensity of his love that we're trying to comprehend. I was just talking to uh, Pastor Dave uh, tonight before we came here. And those of you who know Pastor Dave, he is a great man. You have a great pastor. But sometimes he likes to live on the edge and... He always does like crazy things that some of our friends were like, oh my God, you're crazy. And I don't know what it is, but he likes, he said he just loves like the ocean where there's like dark blue and there's like, you just don't know what's on the bottom, the abyss. Now I like to believe, you know, growing up with my parents' store in Southside, like I'm like, what's up, you know, uh, I can handle this. But like that stuff, I'll be running away. I'm like, man, that is scary. But like, there's some people who are like, man, that's awesome. And as I think about that, I realize the reason why I'm so scared is not only did I have a bad dream one time when I was younger, but as I think about like the deep blue ocean, you know, especially when it's like that really dark blue, because that means it's really deep. Like there's this weird fear that begins to overwhelm you in that moment because it is so deep. And the thought that God's love if in all its dimensions, it is so great that not a single person on this earth can fully comprehend. Even the smartest minds 
we will never be able to fully comprehend his love. And that's why the vastness, this incredible love is immeasurable. It leaves you speechless when you think about it. That's why I love the message translation of verse 18 where it says, you will be able to take in with all Christians the extravagant dimensions of Christ. Let's do it again. Come on, y'all. It's just easier when you work with college students. You're like, the yellow read, and they're like, ah. You know, some of us now are kind of the dimension of Christ's love. But uh, let's say it with some conviction. I'm the yellow. Can I get a good aim? Turn. We gotta. This this is hilarious. You gotta actually warm up to this, right? Turn to somebody next to you and say, "Read it on the yellow." Go ahead, go ahead and tell them. Just read it on the yellow. (laughs) Okay, I'm gonna try it one more time. Let's do it again. You'll be able to take in with all Christians the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Amen. Reach out and experience the breath. Test its length. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights. That is God's love. And the more we begin to pray, we begin to grow in this and understand more of his love for us. That's why in verse 19, Paul says, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. The New Living Translation, hopefully, okay, we're going to warm up to this. Okay, get ready. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is so great, you will never fully understand it. Then you will be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. We will never fully understand it. But I will say this. When you understand as much as your brain and your heart can understand, it will transform your life. Now, I'm very aware that in this room, there are many of you who are believers. Some of you grew up in the church and grew up understanding the scriptures and who God is through your parents. It's been passed on to you. I'm also aware that there are some of us who came to know the Lord at one point, but it just wasn't working for us. And so, God, we realize more that God became more of a functional God, that he's no longer working. And so we kind of drifted away, but you're here, and we're glad that you're here. We're praying that you experience his love in such a way that it will help you to turn back. And there are some of us here, which I'm also probably aware, we could confess here that some of us who are not believers, but we're here for whatever reason. And we're glad that you're here. And that's been my prayer, that some of you have never made a decision to be a follower of Jesus Christ, that you will cross that line and say, with the limited knowledge that I have, with all the hurts and everything that I've gone through in my life, if this love of Christ is real and genuine, that I want to experience and I pray that he will reveal himself to you. Once a person comprehends more of this love through just different encounters, different retreats, different moments, when all the streetlights are green, you experience this love in so many different ways, parking spot, you know, in a busy shopping season, then you'll be able to be filled with the fullness of God. I love what Brennan Manning said in his book, The uh, Ragamuffin Gospel. He writes this, we should be astonished at the goodness of God, stunned that he should bother to call us by name, our mouths wide open at his love, bewildered that at this very moment we are standing on holy ground. That this place... Is a holy ground where God's going to meet all of us. And as we close, looking at verse 20 through 21, it says, Now to him, many of you know this passage, it says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, 
according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul closes out chapter 3 in these two verses with a doxology. A doxology is a praise to God that someone gives in order to give glory to God. And as he's thinking through the different blessings that he has and we have in Christ, Paul couldn't help but to give God praise. This this doxology starts off by Paul making a declaration of God's power again. So once again, you see this theme of God's power. He states that it is God who is able to do far more abundantly than we can imagine. I I don't know why. I I just love the message translation. I don't know. Sometimes I call it the the street version translation. Kind of keep it real. You know what I'm talking about? Keep it real. So I'm going to read this. And once again, yellow. Ramp up the person next to you, okay? Get ready. Get ready. Here we go. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. What a great promise. That is the spirit that's working gently, but powerfully within us. And that we can do anything. Because God can do anything as he works in us and through us. Therefore, we can have high expectations for God to do something great, even at this retreat. Knowing that through his power, he will accomplish whatever he wants to accomplish in us and in us. The church here. I don't know about you, but if we really believed in verse 20, shouldn't we be praying for greater confidence and expecting God to do greater things? You know, whenever I get focused on myself, especially when I make a mistake or when I struggle, I get this overwhelming feeling of, man, I suck because, you know, I'm a pastor. I should be trying to. And I realize there are times when I don't want to pray. There are times when I don't want to try to live a good life. And I hate it when now, like, as you're going to play and people see you and you see them, you're like, oh, gosh, you don't want to talk to them. No. Pastor Dave, he loves this. He loves all of y'all. But for me, I'm just like, oh, I don't want to talk to that person again. And, you know, when you go through these moments, I, you know, I, I think to myself, like, man, sometimes I'm not a good husband. I'm not a good father. And when I think about those times, it's so easy to get inward focused. And say, man, just, it's bad. And I think this is the key in learning how to overcome is to focus less on yourself. And focus more on who Christ is and what he has done. Thomas Merton in his book, No Man is an Island. He writes, but the man who is not afraid to admit everything that he sees to be wrong with himself. And yet recognizes that he may be the object of God's love precisely because of his shortcomings can begin to be sincere. His sincerity is based on confidence, not in his own illusions about himself, but in the endless, unfailing mercy of God. What a great reminder. Is that when you actually see yourself with all the weaknesses and all the shortcomings and all the attitudes and all the messed up things in your life, and you could turn to Christ, and you realize that's when you can be completely sincere and vulnerable. Because of his unfailing, endless and unfailing mercy. In verse 21, Paul reminds 
us and mentions that God's glory is manifested in the church in all generations. Just think about that for a moment. When we live out these biblical principles that God has laid out for us, then his glory will begin to fill this church. And it's going to be passed down to the next generation. I pray that that will be true. I love how the book of Ephesians closes out in this last verse. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 24. This is the last verse of this book. It says, Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Let me read it in other translations. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. The New King James says this, Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. As we get back to our first love, by being grounded and growing in his love, which comes through prayer, because the power comes when we pray. The dependence comes when we pray. That strength comes when we begin to pray. That's when we're going to be able to get recharged by God. A love that is incorruptible and a love that is undying. How about us this evening? Are we growing in comprehending more of his love? As we're getting older, are we being more amazed at his grace, more humbled that he will love someone like us or someone like me? I'm wondering if our prayers are filled with this great confidence because of his love for us. Prayer grounds us or grows us in God's love. Therefore, the one thing that I shared before is simply this, that prayer can transform our wearied hearts. So by God's grace, we must do our part. And that part is praying, seeking his face. Can I just quickly give us some next steps? I found out, Pastor Dave, that this church is a church of next steps. Praise the Lord. We want to take the next step. Wherever you are, some of us might have a deeper understanding of things uh, just because we've been walking with the Lord longer. Some of us just recently became a Christian. Some of us still maybe a little bit off or, or haven't crossed that line to be a follower of Jesus, but you're taking one step closer, and I pray that at this retreat you will. The next steps. The first thing I want to encourage us is just behold the love of God. And that's why sometimes it's good to linger around the cross. I don't know how many of you have seen the passion of the Christ, but like that's something that I just have to watch like, you know, once a year. And especially during the crucifixion, it just reminds me that this is not something I just made up or like people made up, but this is, this is how they used to execute people during the Roman Empire. The flogging and the crucifixion. And Jesus did that for people like us. Behold the love of Christ. Sit there, linger, think about, ponder, consider the love of Jesus Christ through the cross. The second thing is believe in God's power. We have to believe as we come before him in prayer, we have to believe in the truth. We have to believe that God's power is stronger than any other power in this world. To break some of the chains in our lives, to work in a way that only God can work. And lastly, be bold as you pray. 
Let's pray tonight boldly. Can I get a good amen to that? Amen. Let's lift up some bold prayers. Believing that God is going to do some great things. Not only in our lives and in our family, but maybe some of those people that we know in our small group. The family groups or just in our church. Let's lift up some bold prayers and believe that God will do some great things. I want to close uh, with this video. I don't know how many of you saw the War Room movie. Anybody? Some of us. Okay, a handful of us. Um, I just saw parts of it, and this part, when I saw it, it just really moved me. It was an old grandma who was a prayer warrior, and she's praying for all the different needs that are going on uh, that people have asked her to pray for or people that she knew uh, or she was in a relationship with, and so she was praying for them. And in her her house, there was a closet, and she transformed it into a prayer room with all these different prayer requests and pictures and different things that are going on. And she's praying. And I just want you to listen to this prayer of things that are going around in the world. And she's just praying. And as I was listening to this prayer, it just moved me. As I realized, here's a woman of faith. Here's a woman who believes that God is so powerful that he can do things that only she can imagine or think about, but greater than that. And I pray that it will be a great example for us that even tonight as we get into our small groups and respond in worship and also having some time to pray that God will do something special even as we start off this retreat for the next day and a half, two days that we're going to encounter him in a powerful, mighty way. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.